0: Welcome to In Orbit, the fortnightly podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world. I'm your host, Sarah Credis. This podcast is brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult, a UK technology and innovation company driving economic growth through the commercialization of space. Across this new series of eight episodes, we'll be in conversation with some of the most innovative minds in the country, exploring the ways that the UK is using space to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better understanding of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. In today's episode, we will be discussing the groundbreaking 5G rural Dorset projects and learning how the teams are transforming the lives of rural and coastal communities with 5G. I'm joined in the studio by Dave Happy on behalf of Dorset Council and James Thomas, CEO of Jet Engineering System Solutions. And joining us remotely from Dorset, Daisy Curtis, a PhD researcher examining 5D technology at the University of Exeter. And from Scotland, Greg Paul, lead mobile networks and security engineer at the University of Strathclyde. COVID-19 has highlighted the UK's digital divide. When told to stay at home to work and study, those without good access to the internet were unable to perform their tasks in the same way as those with a solid connection. For students, this has caused untold issues in learning and development. For businesses, lost productivity and revenue. Mobile network operators tend to stick to the regions that make business sense. There are more commercial opportunities in densely populated cities and therefore more connectivity. But for rural and coastal regions, a good connection is also a matter of public safety. The RNLI, Police and Coast Guard all require resilience and robust network coverage to locate and deliver support when called upon. Addressing these issues, the multi-award winning 5G Rural Dorset Project is bringing the latest generation of connectivity to the Dorset community. Coastal cliff monitoring, footfall counters and connected buoys are just some of the technologies being developed to improve public safety. In doing so, the Dorset team is setting a new benchmark for connectivity in rural and coastal communities in the UK. Having secured two world firsts in 5G research on top of three awards at Connected Britain, the project is raising the standard of visiting, living and working in the Dorset area. So, Daisy, I'm going to start by coming to you and just to set the scene. Can you just explain what we mean by 5G, why it matters, how it's different and its potential for disruption?
1: Absolutely. So 5G is the fifth generation of wireless network. On a basic level, it's the next step after 4G. But if we dig a little deeper into the different capabilities, it helps to understand what 5G is and why it's important. So. First of all, imagine an equilateral triangle. At the top of the triangle, we have enhanced mobile broadband, which allows for higher data rates of potentially gigabytes per second. In the bottom right hand corner, we have massive machine type communication or massive Internet of Things, which refers to the capability of having a number of devices in the environment monitoring Information. In the bottom left hand corner, we have ultra low latency. Latency refers to the lag, so the time between stimulus and response. With 5G bringing in ultra low latency, this lag time between the stimulus and response is further reduced. And this is what brings faster speeds. And you may have seen in adverts people saying, oh, 5G is going to bring faster speeds and real time speeds. So this is where that comes from. So As these three capabilities are kind of coming together, we can see different opportunities for 5G developing. And this picks up on why it matters. It's when these three aspects come together. With 4G, we saw a particular change for members of the public in their phone use. And we might see that to an extent with some 5G use cases. But with 5G, it's not just about the mobile phone. When 5G and the capabilities are used together and also used in unison with other technologies and other forms of connectivity, we can see different use cases developing and 5G can be used in sectors such as farming, the creative industries, health and social care, um, public safety, like the list just goes on and on. And this is where the opportunities are really arising and where disruption can happen. And some of the developments of 5G are ongoing so we might not see it right now but in a few years time we might start to see these opportunities filtering into the different sectors and we see these testing and trials of how 5G can disrupt and ha- and the positive changes it can bring happening in test and trials programs like 5G rural Dorset. And
0: how will the rollout of 5G benefit rural communities within the UK?
1: Yeah so this is one one of the main things so it's this opportunity to improve the coverage. So it's it's kind of in rural areas is often there's this digital divide. And 5G can provide this this next step and an opportunity to bring in new infrastructure and kind of improving the connectivity and it's it's also in this applications this is where the the real transformation could happen how it could be used in rural communities whether that's on coastlines and um, in farming so places and test beds like 5g rural dorset um, is really looking at how 5g could actually make a difference for people's livelihoods in terms of how they live but also how they work and also just in general how they go about their day-to-day lives And
0: Dave Happy, you're from Dorset Council. Can you just explain um, what impact 5G um, will have on the local community and just give us an overview of this 5G Rural Dorset project?
2: Okay, Um, I think the 5G Rural Dorset project is quite unique, really. Um, We didn't look at the technology. We looked at the problems that people had. And you can split those up into a couple of areas. Clearly, this is a county that has no motorways. Um, it's a county that uh, has a lot of activity in the farming sector. Defense is the number one employer, and it has a very large coastline. I think in that one sentence, you immediately have the three key areas that we then focused on. Now, Clearly, in that context, 5G, the ability to have both more, better and faster, which is how I summarise it, 5G is the martini service, Um, it just delivers. Um, But it's not about what 5G is, it's about what people actually need. And that's also relevant when you then link that into satellites, because satellite is just part of that 5G mix, and in different areas, different things are required. So I think I'd summarise it by saying those were the three areas that we looked at, and then we looked at what technology suite would fit and then we looked at how we could make that work in an economic fashion and that's where someone like Greg comes in because he has that detailed granular understanding of how and what might fit best and then you put us all together and hey hey here we are.
0: So it's all about looking at the problems that we currently face and getting the technology to adapt to it instead of saying, here's a new asset, how can we use it to shoehorn in with these problems?
2: Yeah, and also I think people quite miss, quite often misunderstand what 5G is. And you, you can summarise it in three ways. Ultra low latency communications, massive machine communications, which means things talking to things. So Daisy was referring to IoT. And then um, obviously you get ma- um, massive increases in bandwidth. So those are the three key things. Things that you need to think about um, anything that's capable of doing that and can do it on the fly i.e much more quickly and can do it in a way which you can more easily break out different chunks of that capacity to give to people more easily and cheaply means that you've got a very different solution and i can see james is itching to comment on that
0: and i just wanted to bring in james thomas from jet engineering if you can just clarify what your involvement has been with this project
2: yeah, I'd love
3: to come on that, Dave. I, th- I think that's that's so true in so many ways, but I think the 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 five G can unlock more than that. So what what we're doing is all about understanding how we can we can do this at sea, at, at and and when we're doing this at sea, it, it's it's different, and actually, it's not faster, it's not quicker, but it's somewhere where it's never been comms before, and and that completely breaks the mold of why five G from the traditional sense. So I think, but. The, the, the generation enables that through the latest standards because we, we can have this fibreless backhaul, we can do all these different things with with the telecoms now that we can actually think outside the box of how we would use telecoms to enable problem solving.
0: And if we just talk about the impacts within the coast, you mentioned that as well, Dave mentioned that as being one of the key areas um, within Dorset. What kind of impact has this had on, on, on surf conditions, on, on coastal issues? And and how does that differ to um, a world without connectivity? How, how is this shaping lives? So,
3: so from our side, what we've seen is that we can inform people um, around conditions before they go to sea. So instead of trying to save lives once they've gone and got something go wrong, we can start to make the, the decision making uh, happen before they get into that situation. We can help people not do that. But when we went down that journey and looked at what's the benefit of this, the, the use case came out with actually everything you can do on land, you could do at sea using a platform and a mast. And we, we've tried to build that platform to enable all the use cases that are now existing in that 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 area, which I think the, the rural Project has exactly the same benefits. We've got so many rural use cases which telecoms hasn't traditionally been used for. You know, we we all see a mobile phone mast in the centre of a city and go, this is brilliant to stream um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the things that that, that we traditionally use it for, but you don't think about the things of robots in farms or other other things like that.
0: Well, it is just fascinating stuff, and I, I just wanted to ask now, how important is that relationship between the tech sector and councils in bringing this breadth of connectivity into communities?
3: Absolutely essential. With, without the support of of, of a number of organisations, businesses such as ours wouldn't be where we are right now. So we had our first uh, cash in the business in January this year, maybe December last year. Nine months later, we've got 12 open job recs and um, we've got a team of seven individuals and we've done about a million quid. And that's, that's become possible because actually people have seen the value in what we're doing and with the the fact of the matter was the council saw a little bit of uh, promise in what we wanted to achieve and they gave us a little bit of nurturing and helped us shape where we want to go and I think that collaboration uh, has meant that that's possible and, and it's sort of a journey you get on right and you get on this bus and it starts going and you, you start to find these people around you that help and that's so crucial for SME growth and especially in rural communities where they don't necessarily have um, those big tech clusters, you know, we're not in the centre of London where there's hundreds of SMEs all around you. You're, you're in, a, in, in a place where there's probably another five tech businesses on the site sometimes. So having that option and ability to talk to um, sort of more strategic partners fairly early on in your, your days as a business is absolutely crucial.
0: In terms of bridging the digital divide, how key is 5G? Is it's going to be, you know, level the playing field and not just in rural communities such as Dorset, but across the globe?
3: So the, the digital divides is, is massive across the UK, but there's, it's it's challenging, I think, in these rural communities because they've they've got a lot of older individuals, older individuals who don't necessarily know how to use the digital technologies. So there's a lot of training that needs to go into helping them get online, and I think the other thing we've got is we've also got to to consider the the need for digital technologies and. It's not going to be that everyone needs to have a 5G mobile phone, because I I can't imagine my grandparents even using a mobile phone, let alone a 5G mobile phone, or or seeing any of the benefits of that. But I think what we are going to see is we are going to see the need to have signal coverage that enables that. And I think what was really interesting is when we look at, uh, at 5G itself, you've got different spectrums, different spectrums have very different use cases. I would much rather be able to take a phone call continuously wherever I was in Dorset than have video streaming in certain parts of Dorset, and it's unlocking the right technology for the right use case. I think that's some of the things this program picks up on, because it's looking at two bands. It looks at N28, N78, I think the main bands that we're working on. And what's really interesting is one of them will give you 10, 12k range, the other will probably give you uh, maybe a kilometre or two range. and I think when you look at that as a, a construct in, in the rural economies, we can use this this new generation to breach that digital divide by giving people connectivity when they don't actually have any connectivity currently. And they just want to take a mobile phone when they're in the middle of the field, playing at the field as a farmer. And that, that's really useful or giving them the data that their business can now operate when the, the, the Wi-Fi goes down.
0: So it levels the playing field.
3: Absolutely.
0: And I'm just going to bring in now Greg from Strathclyde University because we can you just clarify how space-based assets are enabling 5G and, and how we're going to see this, this development, but also the um, the security threats and how we can ensure that this is secure and that this is something which is sustainable.
4: So I think in the, fir- in the first instance, in terms of space-based assets, 5G is about ubiquitous connectivity. And in order to deliver connectivity to all the locations that you need to get it to, you require backhaul, you require power. Now, power is relatively easy to find Backhaul connectivity is far harder. Normally for a 5G network, you'd be looking to use dedicated fibre that's been laid to the bottom of the mast. That's expensive, that's complicated, and it's not happened to date. This is why we've got challenges with broadband connectivity in rural areas as well. With satellites, especially with low-Earth orbit and other high-throughput satellite services we start to get new options to reach our base stations with backhaul connectivity in ways that don't require us to dig up the road to get there. And that makes it far more scalable and easier to actually install equipment. The other thing it also lets you do is more dynamically deploy higher capacity connectivity or more capable connectivity in an area where you require it temporarily. So you know, in, in a manner where you might have a you know a, a special event set up for a large festival like Glastonbury, for example. What if you need a, a a greater amount of connectivity in an area where you don't already have that fiber connectivity? Being able to use satellite for that allows you to integrate these networks together to use satellite to provide backhaul and then have terrestrial five G to provide coverage from there. Being able to do that with a satellite just it's a game changer in terms of flexibility. Now, from a security perspective. We have um, a whole range of interesting kind of new advantages of of 5G. 5G advances a number of aspects of technology in the handsets, in the network equipment as well. But I think part, uh, a big part of this is going to be a transition towards more software-based systems. So in previous generations of mobile, we've generally seen dedicated hardware that's used for a single purpose, as we move towards kind of the late stages of 4G and now into 5G, we're starting to see software-based functions used for the network infrastructure itself. And this has some real potential because it allows us to, you know, to, to learn from the IT sector and how we can secure data, how we can secure our devices, and how we can keep networks safe and keep people's data secure. And ultimately, that's what matters, you know, I think, as we mentioned earlier on. It's getting it's getting the, the use cases together, understanding what needs to be protected, And in doing so effectively, and as much as we can learn from other sectors, the better, because we don't have to reinvent the wheel.
0: And Greg, how complex will this actually be to implement fully in rural areas across the UK?
4: So, I think, in terms of you know how how reachable areas are, most areas should be reachable by satellite, but I think we, we we need to make sure we don't lose sight of the other challenges that satellite won't always be the optimal solution, so you will sometimes need to go with dedicated fiber um If we look at you know where we are with five g and where four g was previously um the the idea of ubiquitous connectivity is key, and I think a really important one, but we need to make sure that we are enabling the right connectivity in the right place. And there are some use cases where satellite backhaul won't be appropriate. So for example, if you are needing low latencies, you will have to make sure you're delivering connectivity through a fiber. On the other hand, if you just need um, a large amount of capacity temporarily, but you're not too concerned about the latency, then satellite would certainly be a good way to do that. I think the, the key message I would get in is that, you know, it's, it's, about, it's
2: about making sure it's the right solution that you are bringing to the table here.
0: And I know, Dave, you're keen to pick up on that point as well.
2: Yeah, I think Greg's hit on a really important point on latency here. Um, it's really important that you can synchronise the voice and the image and the data all at the same time. Um, and one other consideration to mention for satellites is, of course, we've got satellites in different orbits, and there's a whole new generation of low-Earth orbit satellites, um, i.e. ones closer to the planet, which means that the time, that the route time, to get a signal up and down again is now significantly better. It's still not going to compete with a fibre, but it's much better than the earlier generations of mid and high Earth orbit satellites. So we are seeing this constant technical evolution.
0: So in terms of we look at this, we look at 5G, we know we've got a problem on Earth. And and I think you you phrased it really well, Dave, when you were like, it's about looking at the problems and then getting the tech to fit, fit in instead of the other way around. So we know we've got a solution, a great solution with 5G, but it's about how do we implement that? How do we communicate what's needed and how do we get that um, crossover of industries? And I can see you nodding your head there, Greg.
4: Yes, I I think one thing that we learned a lot in 5G Rural Dorset when we set this project up was in making sure that we we actually changed the approach of how we think about doing this type of connectivity. So if if we look back at uh, how this has been done in the past, generally you built out connectivity in the areas that had the most people in them because it made the most commercial sense. The challenge that we face right now is that the business case isn't generally there to go out into these rural areas because there aren't enough people there. But what we've what we've highlighted with um, rural Dorset is that actually the population is not the primary driver for connectivity. There's a whole range of stackable use cases and the business case for 5G only really starts to make sense outside the cities where you begin to stack your use cases. So rather than just looking at the population density of people that live in an area, we need to start to consider things like how many people pass through that area how many people travel through that area is there a a main a major train line running through that area um we're starting to see talk of you know 3g networks being switched off actually one of the you know one of the biggest areas of ways you get connectivity on the train is actually through the 3g network Uh, a lot of the south of england you don't get 4g signal on the trains so we need to start to look at this looking at farming and agriculture there's some good use cases there that can justify connectivity. Stack that up. What's next door? Well, there's, um, you know, we talked to earlier on about you know an aging population. Dorset's got one of the oldest uh, populations in the UK. It's 20 years advanced in ageing compared to the rest of England and Wales and actually Scotland as well. What this means is that we've got a whole range of different use cases here that can all justify extra connectivity and communications. And this is before we even talk about people. So this is talking about equipment, healthcare monitoring, home alert systems. A lot of these systems rely on the legacy telecoms networks and those are going to be getting switched off from about 2025 and onwards. So we're going to start to see a need to get new types of connectivity into people's houses and into the areas. And that's how 5G can start to stack these use cases together.
0: And, and James, looking at this from a business perspective, just how successful has this been in Dorset?
3: It's, it's been quite successful for us because we, we've started to look at the niche and novel business cases. So to, to, to unpick one that we can probably all, all, all visualise, if, if we take border security... We currently have a number of boats that patrol the channel for these small boats that are crossing. And it's not about where you sit on the political divide of whether we should have boats crossing or not. It's about the safety of the people and making sure that they're safe. And and when we look at that and we go, so we've got ships patrolling the channel, which costs thousands to, to, to do that. But actually connectivity can solve a lot of that problem. And then it's no longer a business case that needs to be formed based on thousands of use cases. It's a case of what, what are we avoiding by doing this? And it's, and I think that's one of the first steps into sort of helping us understand what the business case needs to be is, okay, so what can we do that's different because of this? And how can we start to build the business case up with some, some big building blocks? If we look at, security as one of them, we can then go, what sectors can benefit from this? And, and, and something like national security, where we spend so much currently, is something that you can actually provide substantial benefits straight away, which underpins your business case. Then you can start to stack upon the fact of, actually the local fisherman has comms as well, and that's good. And that means a fish, operations are a little bit more efficient, but that's got such a small value when you add that on as an individual. But when you stack all of those things together, that's where the, the business case comes from.
0: Okay. And in terms of if we look at the last um, year and a half coming up to two years with the situation with COVID and particularly homeschooling, how much of a difference to education, particularly for those in rural communities, how can 5G make?
3: I think the, the education piece here is it's, it's about getting people the chance to see what's what's happening outside the door whilst you're, you're at home everyone's been sat at home and I, I, I've got a friend who works I think it's the 1872 or 1974 trust it's a, it's a trust it's all about enabling people to see what's going on when they're they're not from a community where they'd have had the chance to have gone to their holiday home in Cornwall they, they have actually been stuck in the inner city regions and one of the projects they were working on I thought was really nice which has been using connectivity which is Actually, taking cameras, taking comms out into rural areas and showing people what a farm looks like still, or showing people what a boat looks like still, or what what's going on outside their doors, and that 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 piece adds a lot of value to the classroom, which now has become everyone's home because you've you've taken the comms out of the of the um, the schools.
0: It's really interesting your answer because I, I was talking in reference to educating children at home homeschooling but actually you've brought up a topic that i hadn't even thought about and how this can transform and you mentioned someone hasn't even seen the farm so you're 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 connecting the world
3: yeah absolutely because can you imagine the 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 school kids from inner city london they haven't seen what it's like to go sailing they haven't seen what it's like to be by the beach they they haven't seen things that some of us take for granted and those of us that are fortunate take it for granted that we can we can go to the beach. If we want to go, it's a sunny day, we drive down there, but they won't have a car. They, so how do we give them the education that shows them what that part of society is like and what their possibilities in life could be?
0: So it's making the world seem a little smaller. Dave, happy, I think you're happy by name, happy by nature, because you're just smiling. And I have to ask you, because you're so enthusiastic and so passionate about this, why is it so exciting for you? What does it mean to you seeing what we, we've seen with the Rural Dorset 5G project? <laughs>
2: Well, uh, being married to a primary teacher, I think, gives me an immediate advantage to answer that question. But I think James did it far more eloquently than I could have done. Uh, the reason why I still get out of bed and f- get excited about this is because for the first time, I can see the transformative potential. Um, I was at a, actually speaking at a meeting of the United Kingdom Spectrum Policy Forum last week. And one of the points I was trying to convey is that we need to have in rural areas not just coverage, but also capacity Um, One of the problems that we've had is we've only looked at this problem in half its dimensions. And what James was just so eloquently saying enables us to have both um, solutions that require coverage and capacity. And if we start, therefore, looking at I've got a farm robot, but that mask can also provide a link to a school all of a sudden, I'm beginning to join different bits up, and that's where I see the value in this. We are finding ways to do that, and also for things like adult social care and for skills. Um, poor Daisy has had the dubious privilege of having to work with me for the last six months. <laughs> She's I think, smiling. I can see her smiling. It's okay. <laughs> I think it's still a scarring experience, but it's it's being able to make that difference and seeing that even when times are tough and the government can't afford to do everything it would like to do, we can use the tech as a surrogate. So, in particular for the elderly. And 50% or thereabouts of Dorset Council's budget goes on adult social care. So helping our children have a better experience, helping improve health outcomes for people remotely. These are things we wouldn't have even considered. And indeed, most of us wouldn't have even known what Zoom was three years ago. Now think of the traffic increases on a network. Think whether that network was designed to cope for it. And then ask yourself, is 5G going to help in providing that better end-to-end connectivity and enable all the use cases the answer is yes that's why i'm still passionate about it 30 years on
0: 5g is about young and old it is about connecting society um i just want to bring daisy back in here um what other industries can benefit we've touched on a lot here but things like tourism and emergency responses are you know can you just um clarify all the industries that can potentially benefit and their economic value or economic case for them
1: so this is one of the things that makes 5G so exciting is that it could be touched upon all sorts of different sectors. So you can have the tourism industry really benefiting um, as kind of James was mentioning, you could have people with um, 5G connectivity being able to really promote their local areas and also have the connectivity and different opportunities to kind of have experiences and immersed experiences on the tourism sector. When you're looking and thinking about kind of safety, when, when, In in Dorset, we have an extensive coastline. It's it's a beautiful coastline. It's a World Heritage site. But coastlines are dangerous. We have constant um, land instability. So we have Rock falls, it's also for many people who aren't used to living by the coast, they might not necessarily always know how to stay safe. So people who grew up on the coast, they, they're always kind of taught, like, be mindful of the tides, be mindful of kind of the rock instability. But when you're maybe coming to visit, there might not necessarily be that same knowledge. So having things like the connected signs, which 5G Rule Dorset has, providing information, but also providing the connectivity that emergency responders need. So you need to be able to kind of have that point of contact so that people can communicate to ensure that um, they can actually get to people when there is an emergency situation. And if we think back to so last year, last summer, a lot of the newspapers were filled at a um, dead or door because there was people who were in danger and the helicopter had come down. And that that's one of the kind of the major incidents that people might kind of think about from kind of the coastline and endorse it but it's not kind of a one-off thing that happens every summer there is a constant need for kind of people to be, be kept safe and having the connectivity on the coastline is really key so that's kind of the tourism part and then also the emergency responders but there's also things to do with farming and adult social care and education so 5g can really kind of Um, work with all sorts of different sectors and it's looking to see where those use cases can develop and it's looking at kind of the small companies, local councils and identifying where they can work together to find these applications across these sectors.
0: I know, James, you wanted to comment on that because you were so heavily involved in using 5G for um, coastal services, coastal protection within Dorset.
3: Absolutely. I think we've gone out there to try and learn some lessons with this project. And the important thing we, we, we have to take away from those lessons and look at what we should be doing differently. And it's only the chance conversations from within that have really helped me understand, I think, what, what some of the benefits really are to these coastal communities. So we, when we look at the, the safety down the seafront, the seafronts generally have cliffs, the are on the land at the top of the cliff. So we've got nice lots of signal all the way around, but that means under the cliff on the water's edge, we've got no signal quite often. And when you only start to realise things like that when you go. Well, how actually are we going to keep people safe on those those cliff faces, on those beaches? And the the southwest has got lots of climbing communities in Portland, all along Swanage, and they're all going to be out there without any safety real any safety cover from phone signals. And one of the things we're working on is trying to get comms on buoys that float. So we can actually put a base station that floats. We can then push the signal back towards the land rather than having to take it off the off the land every time to then give the connectivity in the areas where they can't currently have it along those cliff faces. And that, that safety case is, is something that's not going to be valid around the whole of the UK. We're not going to have people turn up in their droves everywhere on every bit of beach. But it will be valid in some areas. And it's, it's taking the learning of... Actually, what's the use to this?
0: So it's 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 real life impacts.
3: Uh, absolutely,
0: this is about saving human life. This is not just about because often, um, the layperson might think of the space industry. You think of exploration. You think of um, space tourism, all that you know, badly banded um, billionaire space race. But really, what it's about is using space-based assets and the vantage points that space gives us to um, build up a new set of senses, so we can understand better the lay of the land and, and protect and improve human life.
3: We've got three key things we're looking after, safety, security, and the environment. And we can see how we can come across all three with the same piece of hardware because fund- fundamentally they all exist in the same place. Safety that, that we've we've touched upon, security we've touched upon, and, and the environment is, is the efficiencies of all the operations. I think we've got to be cognizant that by putting telecoms, we do impact the environment. The, the Zoom call does actually have an impact. I think it's about the equivalent of, of driving 100 meters down the road as an hour on the Zoom call. Don't quote me on that one for sure, but the, there is an impact to having a Zoom and people don't understand the power usage of that. But it's a lot better than what we're doing currently. And I think we we can talk about that in terms of shipping efficiencies. If the ship is 5% more efficient, what's the net sort of benefit to that economy? And that's huge. Certainly in in, the installation phases in offshore wind, I can quantify it, because that's one of the things we're looking at is they don't have telecoms whilst they install a wind turbine. So how how do you then actually have an efficient operation that could be run autonomously? And you can't. That's quite clear. So to enable that to happen autonomously has a huge environmental benefit as well as a financial benefit.
0: So 5G is effectively one of the things which will enable us to do so many other great things better once we've solved that connectivity problem. Um, Dave, I was just wondering if you can explain how successful the 5G Rural Dorset Project has been and really what next. Is this going to be something which can be rolled out across more communities?
2: Okay. Um well, I'm delighted to report that it's a considerably bigger project than when we originally filed it. Um, it seems that we came up with a few innovative new ideas. And Daisy was explaining earlier the, the one about the cliff falls and putting sensors on the cliffs. Um, we're also now looking at new innovative ways to do things with um, slow motion photography to see how much something has moved and also mapping an asset tracking system so that we can find where they are. Um, All of these things are totally transformative, they're all new. One that we've not touched on at all is the benefits to industry, indoor usage, and indeed to the military. Um, We've had the construction of a defence battle lab now down in Dorset. It's created 90 jobs, it's created many millions of extra pounds to the economy. We've now got increased numbers of masks going up on farming. We've got improved safety for the RNLI. Because they've got better comms at an area. Then The most casualties we get are actually in shore waters, under cliffs and up river mouths. That's where most people run into difficulties. So has this made a financial difference? Yes. Has it made a difference to quality of life? Yes. Are we at the beginning of something? Yes. I don't think that this project is, is going to end. Not in the way it'll have a death. For sure. But will it continue in various forms? Those agricultural farming robots, for sure. The RNLI activities, definitely. Is there going to be a need for coastal safety into the future? For sure. Do we know we need things like boys out at sea that are more intelligently able to help save more lives? Yes. I think, therefore, we can be completely certain, one, that it's already a more successful project than we expected, and that, two, it will make a difference to quality of life going forwards into the long term. This is not going to Going away.
0: And how does it make you feel? Frankly, chuffed.
2: Putting it in a word. To be involved with something where you can transform something and you just get the right blend of people at the right time. It's almost like the stars just happened to be aligned that day when that bid was written. And they were. And I though a great debt of thanks to, to, to Greg and to my colleague Colin Wood, who can't be here today, when we put this together. We had a vision as to what it might be. The most satisfying thing is to seeing that transferred into reality and hearing what James is doing and having Daisy work with us. These are things I couldn't have envisioned two years ago. They're happening. That's great.
0: So, James, what was the biggest technical development that we saw with the 5G Rural Dorset project?
2: From our side, I think
3: it was the creation of the 700 meg standalone routers. We did that from scratch in about five months. Um, I, that was a world's first. And I think that's something that quite a few of us are really quite proud of. I, I know that working with, with the partners, that's been quite um, novel, quite, quite quite first of a kind. And the, there's a lot of people that have been really, um, um, a lot of people have been really rather proud of the, the work that that's meant could now happen.
0: And, and, and Greg, I just wanted to pick up on that. Um, how did you achieve that?
3: So I think this is actually a really
4: good sh- story and an example of the collaboration that we had uh, going on in the project. So in order to deliver this, we had a whole bunch of partners come together, um, including the university, including the Satellite Catapult, the uh, FNDC, the Future Network Development Centre that they've got in Buckinghamshire, um, and Jet Engineering uh, with James and many others as well. And what we looked at doing here was getting together effectively, you know, the team we needed. And we had the core of the network hosted at Wesker at the, the FNDC. We had James working on the client devices, you know, the end devices that would actually connect to the network. And then we worked with Accelerate Communications, one of the other project partners, in order to get the radios deployed and out into the field and connected back, so it really was a genuine collaboration in having three, four, five different partners come together in order to make this work.
0: And what I love about all of this is that you all are a community. You all know each other. You, this isn't the first time you've come together, and it's that that term, the community that that five G brings. And Greg, I just wanted to bring you in now. Where are we heading in the future? We've seen the the great successes with the five G rural Dorset project, but but what next?
4: So I think moving forwards in terms of the technology, um, one of the things we need to look at is you know that mobile technology keeps on moving. And today, when you know when you use your phone commercially, if you're lucky enough to have five G on your phone, um, and and actually have a you know five G signal near you, you'll be using something called five G non standalone. Um, this effectively means it's the four G. Part of the network used with some 5G radios. Now, moving forward, what we're going to start to see is the adoption of 5G standalone, which is the technology that 5G Rural Dorset has been trialling. So, you know, effectively what we're doing with Dorset is trying out something that's coming along in a year or two's time. The technology will continue to evolve beyond that point, though. And as we start to look through, you know, so 5G's done in numbered releases. We're currently at release 16. That means release 15 is what's deployed. As we start to get towards 17 and 18, as we move a few years into the future, that's where we start to see some of the quite exciting technology coming down the line. And that can include, for example, um direct 5G connectivity from a satellite to a handset. And that's where we start to see some of these interesting opportunities for you know really improving connectivity. You know, I think something that's worth reflecting on is we talked earlier about you know public safety and connectivity and how we help you know people get help in an emergency so today you can use if if you've got a view of the sky you will be able to find your location using the gps satellites very precisely to within you know 2 to 3 meters most probably within about 10 seconds but you might not be able to do anything with that and as we start to move towards truly ubiquitous connectivity, so the ability to actually get a help message out anytime, place, anywhere, that's where it starts to get quite interesting when you combine GPS satellites with the ability to use low throughput, you know, not this exciting, you know, live video calling, but actually to be able to get a simple message or a voice channel over a satellite from a from a handset directly through into low-Earth orbit satellites. That's where it starts to get uh, quite exciting.
0: And Daisy, we've had a lot of successes um, with the 5G Rural Dorset Project. What challenges have there been and what can we learn to improve as we move forward?
1: I think one one of the main things that there's the challenge with anything is to make sure that there is community involvement when you are working to identify the opportunities that a technology has and the rollout that is required of infrastructure. I think for anyone who is working in this kind of area, there is that challenge. But I think what 5G World Dorset found was that it's the working, ensuring that there is discussion with community members, that there are companies involved who understand the communities in which they are working. They might even be community members themselves. And it's ensuring that when a new technology is being developed that the use cases are applicable to the local community and also that the infrastructure really can be rolled out in a way that is as disruptive in as little way as it can be and also is really attending to what is already there in the environment so looking at Could we put this antenna here or would it be better to put it there and there'd be less disruption or it would work better with the local community and also what's already there?
0: And just finally, as unfortunately we're running out of time, um, I just want to ask all of you, and we're going to do this on quite a few of our episodes, but what are your hopes for the future? And and I know I've already asked you this today, but what does it mean to you? So I'll start with you, Dave.
2: Okay, Uh, to me it means a society which is less divided Because everybody's got access to that basic connectivity. And I'll leave you with one stat and then pass over to my colleagues. The local government did a survey, I believe it was in 2017, that said that GDP would rise by about £216 per individual in a given area if they had a decent quality gigabit broadband connection. We're doing it. It's happening. That's marvellous. That's it.
1: Daisy? Daisy? I think so there's two main things for me, just to echo what Dave was saying. It's it's in relation to access. So you want to, that's one of the things that's most exciting. But also I think in relation to, at the moment we're in a climate emergency. So thinking about the ways in which 5G and other sorts of technologies can um, improve how we are tackling climate change. Greg?
4: For me, it's about ubiquitous connectivity. So it's the idea of being able to get connected over whatever means is available. You know, we've talked a lot about 5G here today. We've talked about satellite. We've talked about how the two come together. But there's also other communications technologies. What we need to work towards is a vision that was started a few years ago, but it's where it doesn't matter what means you're using to be connected. That could be Wi-Fi. That could be 5G. It could be 4G. It could be 2G. It's the idea that you have access to the same service as much as possible in a seamless manner. And I think it's getting this to be seamless is where the real potential starts to lie for people to not have to worry about signal strength, connectivity etc.
3: I think I'd like to be in a position looking forward where we could we could safely say when we look back on this that we've actually helped that route to net zero. We've we've done a lot of really good things and identified a lot of ways we can help that. I think for me the, the takeaway is actually if we can could make a change we're not going to fundamentally reduce carbon emissions because we've got telecoms. We're going to reduce other people's carbon emissions because we've got telecoms. So it's still not good for the environment, but it's a heck of a lot better than what we're doing currently. If we can do some of that, that would make me really quite proud of what we've we've achieved together.
0: It's all about and in that case, step by step incrementally improving.
3: Exactly. And I think it's the the first piece is the awareness. I think people listening to us today might help with that. And the second piece is then the, the action, which has been started. We've done some of the trials work. We've started to identify what we could do. And it's trying to, to roll that out and make that difference.
0: Okay, well, Daisy, Greg, James, and Dave, thank you so much for your time.
3: Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks.
0: To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And to find out more about how space is empowering industries between episodes, visit the Catapult website or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook.